Hi, I'm Carly Agar, and after 10 years of building my own career in the field, I'm now an award-winning career coach for current and aspiring customer success pros. And this is the first customer success podcast that gives you easy-to-apply strategies and tips to help you score your dream job, secure your next big promotion, or become the top performer on your team. Think of this podcast as your weekly dose of career growth hacks to not only explore what's possible for you in your career, but help you decide where you want to go. And of course, give you all the steps to get there. Welcome to the Customer Success Career Coach Podcast. You are listening to the Customer Success Career Coach. If you've ever struggled with confidence when it comes to interviewing, whether because you don't progress to the offer stage or you just feel really nervous about interviews, then stay tuned because today I'm going to teach you how to assess and improve your interview stories like a professional career coach. Welcome back to episode number three of the Customer Success Career Coach. If you're just joining for the very first time, Thank you for tuning in. And if you are not joining for the first time, thank you for coming back. So this week, I got two emails from clients, like back to back. And let me share what they said. So the first one, I won't read the whole thing, but I'll just read a line. So she says, I interviewed with a company today and the hiring manager told me I have done probably 500 interviews in the last two years. And this by far was one of the best I have ever seen. I made a note of it. So this is what an interviewer was saying to my client about her interview. Then my client said, I'm convinced that even just a few small changes based on your insights have helped me really level up in interviewing. And then this second email that came in from another client says, Carly, you and your team are an incredible group of wizards. I really don't know how you do it, but you've made such a big difference. I keep passing my hiring manager interviews. I now have three final round interviews next week. And what I'll say about this client is she started working with us after being on the job market for 10 months. And her thing was she just kept getting stuck at the hiring manager round. She just could not, for whatever reason, pass that round. So what I thought was so interesting is both of these clients are very experienced CSMs. And I share that because I think a lot of times we all just assume that everybody else is really good at stuff that we're not good at, like interviewing. Or we assume, oh, because that person has eight years of customer success experience, there's no way I could ever interview better than them. I've only got two years of experience or I'm a career transitioner. And that just couldn't be farther from the truth. Everyone struggles with interviewing. Now, after reading these two emails, I was just kind of sitting there thinking about both of their journeys. And what I realized is when thinking about both of them and the the time that I've spent with them or that my team has spent with them, For each of them, we worked on pretty much the exact same thing, which was they both had really good interview stories to tell. 
it was just the way that they were presenting their stories that needed some work. So in other words, it wasn't what they were saying in those interviews, but it was how they were saying it that needed some refining, needed some fine-tuning. And this is not uncommon, I would say, in the hundreds, maybe thousands now, of sessions where I've sat down with job seekers of all different levels of experience and prepped them for interviews. This is by far the most common feedback that I find myself giving. And so today what I'm going to do is something really fun that I've never done before. So I'm going to walk you through basically my technique for perfecting clients' interview stories. And this will be kind of like a DIY do-it-yourself version of it so that you can do this on yourself. So you can kind of act as your own coach and give yourself feedback on your interview stories. Now, really quick, I keep saying interview stories. So why are we talking about interview stories? Why are interview stories important? And stories are important for a couple of reasons. Number one, you are definitely going to run into questions where you're expected to give a story. So you need stories to be prepared for interviews. When you hear the term behavioral interview, all that really means is you're going to be asked to tell stories. Those are going to be questions like, tell me about a time when you did blah, 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 or walk me through an example of how you've done X, Y, Z. So number one, why we're talking about stories is you need them in order to be prepared. And number two is we use stories to prove that we're qualified for the role, which is pretty important. Number three, your stories are the things that separate you from other candidates. If you and another candidate applying, interviewing for the same role, have very similar work experience, but you tell better stories or you do a better job of selling yourself in your stories, then guess what? You are going to be the one that gets the job offer. So stories are important because, number one, we need them just to simply be prepared. Number two, we need them in order to prove that we're qualified for the role. And number three, we use our stories as a way to stand out against other candidates. When we're not great at telling stories in interviews or we're not prepared to tell good stories, a couple of things will happen. So if this is happening to you, this could mean that you've not yet nailed your interview stories. Number one, you may find that you are mind blanking in your interviews. What that means is interviewer asks you a question. They're like, hey, can you tell me an example of this? And you're just sitting there and you're like, oh my gosh, brain, hello, hello up there. We've got 10 years of work experience under our belt. We can't think of one story. What are you doing? That's mind blanking, okay, where you just kind of like rattle off the first thing that comes to mind. And then as soon as you hang up your Zoom or your phone call, walk away, you're like, oh my gosh, I, oh, now I can think of three perfect stories that would have been so much better than what I just said. That's mind blinking. 
other things that could be happening if you need to work on your stories is you get interviews and you continually hear the same types of rejections. Like we went with someone with more experience or we found someone whose experience more closely aligned to what we were looking for or the dreaded, the worst, we loved you, we only had positive things to say about you, everyone really liked you. There was just a really, really tough decision and we decided to go in a different direction. Okay, those are all things that could be happening if you need to work on your stories. Before we get into the actual auditing process for your stories, let's just talk about how to structure them. There are so many different frameworks out there. There's the STAR method. There's the SOAR method. There is a CAR method. I mean, there's probably hundreds of frameworks for how to structure your stories in interviews. I'll just tell you that I use SAR, which is the STAR, S-T-A-R method, minus the T. So the traditional STAR method stands for situation, task, action, result. And it essentially says every story you tell in an interview should have those four elements in that order. I use SAR which is just situation action result. And that's not for any scientific reason. I just remove the T because I find it repetitive and clunky and I just like it better without the T. <laughs> if you want to learn more about the STAR method, if you've never heard of it, just Google it. You'll find a ton of information. So for the purpose of today, I am going to teach you how to assess and audit your interview stories using the SAR framework. I'll give my quick SAR method 101 lesson in case you are not familiar with it, and then we'll get into the auditing process. So when you're writing your interview stories, Every story should have these three elements, should have a situation, an action, and a result. Situation. This is the first element of your story, and all I want you to do here is you're just giving the interviewer enough context before you tell your story so that they can follow along. Think about a time when you were in a conversation and two people were talking about something they say a word and you're like, I don't know what that word is. And then you can't pay attention to the rest of the story because you're just sitting there thinking, what the hell does that word mean? It's very distracting when you don't have all the context and it really prevents you from following along. That same thing happens in interviews. So if you use a word or an acronym or you just like jump into your story without giving enough context, the interviewer is not going to hear anything that you're saying. They're not going to hear the juicy good part of your story because they're probably just going to be stuck at the beginning trying to catch up, trying to think like, what the hell is this lady talking about? So you've got to give enough context so that the interviewer can follow along. The second element of your story is the action. This is hands down the most important part of the story. This is where you are putting the spotlight on yourself. This is where you're describing 
the steps you took, the decisions you made, the amazing, incredible ideas that you had, the initiative that you took. The action is all about you. You are the star of this part of the story. And then the third element, R, is result. Everyone should know this by now, but ideally every story you tell ends with some sort of impact. Like, I did this and it improved Y. Or I did this and then our NPS score went up. Or I did this and then my customer expanded. That's ideal. It's not always going to happen. It's not always going to be possible that you have this perfect result to tie your story with a bow. But if you can add a result, you should. Okay, now that we've talked about the framework, I've given you the three elements of the story. We're going to get into the fun part, which is the auditing process. And again, I'm giving you the DIY do-it-yourself version so that you can do this at home. So we're going to do this in order. I'm going to teach you how to audit the situation. Then we're going to audit the action. Then we're going to audit the result. So starting with situation, I'm going to give you a mock question and then I'll pretend to start answering it and then we'll assess the beginning of my answer together. So the beginning of my story. Let's pretend that the interviewer asks me, can you tell me about a time when you expanded an account? Okay, so I'm starting my story with yes. I noticed that a bunch of my accounts were not using our OBM integration. So the first thing that I did was, and I'll pause there, that was the situation aspect of my story. We're not worrying about action and result just yet. So if that was all the context that I gave to my interviewer before I went into the rest of my story, where's the problem? Hopefully you guessed it. I kind of feel like Dora the Explorer saying, okay, now yell at the TV screen. I don't know how many people will get that. So the problem with that situation or the situation element of that story is I used an acronym that the interviewer probably has no freaking idea what it was. I started talking about an OBM integration, which, by the way, I made that up. But if I said that in an interview, my interviewer is not going to hear the rest of my story. They're not going to pay attention to the steps that I took. They're not going to hear how I did all these incredible things to expand my account because they're just going to be sitting there thinking, what did she say? Did she say OBM or OBN? Or maybe she said OE. And what the hell does that stand for? And maybe. The interviewer is now so distracted that they're Googling OBM and trying to figure out what I'm talking about. So the problem here is that I didn't give context that allowed my interviewer to follow along with the rest of my story. So when you're assessing the situation part of your story, what I want you to ask yourself is, if someone who is not familiar with what I do at all heard this beginning of my story, would they be able to follow along? Another thing you can ask is, 
what questions would someone with little to no idea of what I do in my job have about what I just said? So if I was using these questions to assess my own interview story, I would say, They'll probably have a question about what OBM means, so I need to change that. So after asking these questions, if you say, well, the way that I have my situation laid out right now, I don't think the interviewer would have any questions, then you're good to keep going. You can move on to the action part of the story. If you're like, oh, shoot, they're going to want to know what this stands for and what that stands for, and I should probably talk about this, and they're probably going to wonder about this, and they probably have no clue what the hell that means, then I would add that context to the situation, and then you could move on to the action. Hopefully you are enjoying today's episode. Don't mind me while I jump in here with a quick interruption. One of the questions I get most often is, Carly, if I'm looking for a new job in customer success, how the heck am I supposed to compete with the hundreds of other applicants going after the same roles as me? So if you've ever asked this question, if you've ever wondered the same thing before, I teach you exactly how to break through the noise in today's crowded job market so that you get more interviews in my free training. You could have a fully optimized resume and step-by-step plan for securing more interviews in less than two hours. Head on over to carlyagar.com forward slash freebies to grab the free training right now. I'll also make sure the free training is linked in today's show notes. Now let's get back to the episode. So let's move on to action. I cannot emphasize this enough and I will continue to emphasize it. This is where 99.9% of my clients screw up. This is probably where you're screwing up. This is where my team and I do the most work, whether we're reading through our clients' interview workbooks, which is something that we do with all of our clients, or we're doing a mock interview, or we're just prepping the night before a big interview, I can guarantee you that we're spending most of that time refining the action part of their stories. And if you think that you have this part nailed down, I can pretty much guarantee that you don't. So you should pay attention. (laughs) Okay. So again, action, the action part of the story is so important because this is where the interviewer is learning about you. This is where you are selling you. You are the product. So important. The most common mistakes that I see with the action part of stories is, number one, using the word we a lot, making the action part of the story about your product or company instead of about you, giving little to no detail in your action, or you're skipping a lot of steps and it's usually because you're making an assumption like, oh, of course those are the steps I would have taken. I don't need to tell you that. Let me give an example of the first one, which is using the word we a lot. So I was just meeting with a client. She was talking about turning around an at-risk customer. She kept saying, we, we, we. And that theme actually carried through almost all of her interview stories. So she was making her team 
and her company sound amazing. Like by the end of it, I was like, oh my gosh, um, I want to work at your company because you all sound great. But I didn't necessarily want to hire her. And I was kind of questioning like, okay, well, are you amazing? Or are you just doing well because your team is so amazing? And are you capable of doing this stuff on your own or do you need your team? So that's one example. Another problem that I see a lot is not giving enough detail or skipping steps. So I was just recently working with a client. We were developing his talk track around driving expansion within accounts. And his story was essentially, here's the situation. Then what I did was I presented a demo to the team. They got really excited. We got them on board and they ultimately expanded by $100,000. And I stopped him and I said, so you did nothing. You just did a demo. And this client was like, here's $100,000. And he was like, well, no, (laughs) there was a lot more that I did. They did not just hand us $100,000. So hopefully you can see why this is a problem. When you're telling your stories in interviews, that's really the only look into what an interviewer can expect from you if you were to join their team. You, in telling them the action part of your stories, you're creating the image of you that they will have. And if you don't create a nice image, then they're not going to have a nice image and they're not going to want you on their team. And so not getting this right can be and is usually the reason why people don't progress in interviews or just continually find themselves at the end getting skipped over for someone else. So here's how to fix it. And again, this is how you're going to audit the action part of your story. I'm going to give you a couple of questions. Number one is, is this part of the story about you or have you made it about your team, your company, or your product? Next question is, assuming the interviewer knows absolutely nothing about me, what could they expect me to do in a similar situation? What steps can they expect me to take solely based off of the story I just told? So with my client who apparently gives magical demos where clients just hand over 100K, all I could take from that story knowing nothing else about this person, if I'm interviewing him, all I could assume based on what he's given me is that to drive expansion, he's going to do demos. And maybe he'll do demos really well because he's clearly done them before, but I don't have any other expectations around what he's going to do to drive expansion within his accounts. Now, let me play out for you how using this technique sounds in a one-on-one coaching setting, and this should be kind of like the conversation that you're having with yourself when you're doing this on your own. So after he told me the story, first thing I said to him was, I know you didn't just do a demo and they handed over $100,000. If that is true, text me later because I want a job there. But no, really, (laughs) 
So let's play this out. I asked him, before this expansion, did you first make sure that that client was getting value out of the first thing they bought? And he said, oh, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely did that. And I said, okay. And leading up to this opportunity, did you nurture your relationship with decision makers in the account, with your executive sponsor? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, we definitely did that. I had a bunch of QBRs. Was definitely nurturing that relationship. Okay. Did you nurture relationships with champions in the account? He says, yes. Oh, my gosh. We actually had our champions come in and present at all of our QBRs. We had a bunch of our champions spin up a Slack channel so they could answer questions from employees who are learning how to use our product. Our champions created this whole wiki page for employees to access so they could learn how to get access to our product and how to use it. So I said, okay, so you've leveraged champions. You've enabled them to advocate for your product internally. He says, yes. Then I asked him, leading up to this expansion opportunity, did you do any sort of account planning or white spacing or collaboration with a salesperson? He says, yes, every quarter, me and my sales partner would sit down. We look at all of our shared accounts. We look at what features our clients have purchased, which ones they haven't purchased. And then we come up with a plan to go engage those accounts. So I said, okay, so you've done strategic account planning. And this demo that you prepared, who did you present it to? And how did you know what to present? He said, Okay, and I'll stop there. There's more questions that I would have asked, but I'll stop there. I think you're getting where this is going. So now that I've asked the question, what can I expect you to do given your story? And now we're pulling out all the steps that he took. Our story, or more importantly, our picture of this person has gone from can give a really good demo to... This person is going to make sure clients are getting ROI out of their initial investment before they expand accounts. This person's going to nurture their exec sponsors. They're going to leverage champions. They're going to do really good discovery. They're going to leverage customer stories. They're getting top down and bottom up approval for this expansion and so on and so forth. So that's the difference. This person went from being someone who can give a demo to someone who is extremely strategic and thorough and proactive in their account management. So now we have talked about how to assess the situation part of your story, the action part of your story, and let's talk about the results really quick. So the result is the easiest part to assess because you either have one or you don't. Well, I will say with your result, a couple of things. Number one, it is always going to be best if you can share a number. And if you can use words like improved, decreased, increased, anything of the sort. If you are sharing a number, always try to benchmark it to add context. What I mean by that is if the result of your story is, and because of this, I was able to achieve 102% net retention in Q3. Well, as an interviewer, 
I might think that 102% net retention is crappy. So you've got to benchmark it for me, given the context of your company, of your situation, of your goals, of your clients. So if you're saying 102% net retention and that's versus a team average of 90, that's really, really good. If 102% was 10% above your goal, I need to know that. That's going to automatically answer the question for me, is this result good or not? Lastly, what I'll say on the result is if you don't have this picture-perfect number to tie your story with a bow, which in lots of cases that will be the situation, you just won't have a result to share, you can end your story with just what did you learn or how did you change your behavior the next time? So that could be something like, so as a result of this really awesome thing that I did, because it was so great for me and for my client, What I did was create a playbook so that my other CSMs on the team could repeat the same process, could use the same data, could do the thing that I did, and also have a great experience with their customers. So it doesn't always have to be a number, but at least try to say, here's something that I did as a result. Here's how I changed my behavior, someone else's behavior. Here's what I learned. We've talked about why interview stories are so critical. We've talked about the three elements and how to structure your stories using situation, action, result. And I've also given you some really, really powerful tools to audit your stories and make sure they are strong and selling you as the best candidate. So that's it for today's episode. Please do me a favor. If you have any friends, colleagues, past colleagues, or belong to any communities where you know that there are people who are struggling with interviews, please do share this episode with them. And that's it for this episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'll catch you next time. That's it for today's episode. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you loved today's episode, or if you want to continue the conversation, come hang out with me on LinkedIn. Connect with me, follow me, or message me over there. I'm at linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash Carly dash Agar. And if you haven't already, don't forget to follow the show wherever you listen to your podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. I'll catch you next time.